take your Bibles and turn to you. You say, well, how much scripture can we read? Well, this is the house of God, right? We want to talk to him and hear his word. I want you to, we want to do something this morning as we get started. Because all those things, you said, I will build my, you went in and made promises just to God. Did you know that? If you sang that song and didn't mean it, he's going to hold you accountable to it. If you meant it, he's going to hold you accountable to it. So be careful what you sing and be careful what you say. But here's something you can be careful with. You can do it. We can, this is like immediate scripture. Some of that scripture is long term. This one right here is right on the money. No one knows what we're turning to. There's no overhead sale. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Let's turn there. And we're going to hear what the scripture says, and we're going to immediately do what the scripture says, okay? We can be obedient right away. When you're there, say amen. All right, we'll wait for the rest of you. When, when you're there, say amen. Just keep popcorn and amen until you get there. Psalm 100. Amen. All right, let's, let's start verse 1. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Make a, jow, a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Some of you got it. Let's try it again. This is remedial. This is 101. All right, Sunday morning kindergarten. Here we go. Let's read it again. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Amen. That's what we do. Right there. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You got a song in your heart? If you don't know it, the children are with us this morning. Let's sing it. Jesus loves me. This I know. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Very good. I hear the kids. Yes, Jesus loves me. How do we know? Amen. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I was waiting for somebody to buy like a sheep there. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Let's take a si time to tell him thank you and praise him this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm going to cut my microphone off so we can do it. Some of you don't know how to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Tell him thank you. Tell him and praise him. Listen, that's a hallelujah. means praise the Lord. Verse 5, for the Lord is good. Is he good, Lord? Amen. He is good. His mercy is how long? Everlasting. And his truth endures how long? To all generations. Raise your hand if you belong to a generation today. We have multiple generations today who are still able to praise him because he's worthy. Not because of we, because of he. Amen? You may be seated this morning. Adrian started this thing out wrong, so we're going to keep going, all right? Get long and loud. That's how we do it. He started out right this morning. Today's a family worship day. Children do Children's Church next Sunday. But as we get into today, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 is our text for today. We're in this whole new mini-series for right now, Resurrection, Power, and Purpose. We're getting ready to talk about Easter. We'll talk about, is Easter even a pagan holiday? Have you been into that discussion? The answer truly is, the word Easter is... Ishtar, we'll talk about that later, but we're talking about Resurrection Sunday. When our Lord Jesus Christ was buried in a borrowed tomb, he really did die, he really was buried, and he really did rise again the third day according to the scriptures. He said so, it was so. Today we live with that truth, but we act as if it's just a story that we tell this time of year, every year. I think we should live 
with the power of the resurrection. I think we should live with the purpose of the resurrection, that we have something to do, we have something to say, because Jesus Christ has done something. He did a thing, right? And we have something to say because he did a thing in our hearts and our lives today. Let's read together in Philippians chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Hey, we don't have to be quiet. We'll read the scripture. He tells us what to do. We know he's talking to the church at Philippi, right? Because Philippians, that's where your book comes from. It's a letter to the church at Philippi, but he's telling the church what to do. And he's going to continue. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Meaning he's already told them this one time before. Now Paul is writing in chains. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. And I made these this morning. I was going to hang them around the church and see who would actually be afraid, but some people might not be afraid this morning. But if you saw that coming at you, would you be afraid? I was going to tape it right here so we'd actually remember to beware of the dogs, right? Y'all see the dogs? Well, if y'all see that sign, what comes into your mind? If you walk up to somebody's house and you're going to go visit them and you see that sign, what are you going to think? If they're phone, I'm going to make a phone call first, right? Because what do you want them to do? Put the dog up, right? All right, some of you think, I'll just, I'll just take care of that dog. You hadn't, you hadn't dealt with a big dog before, right? If somebody puts that dog up, uh, I believe you'd actually change your mind. I said I'd never run again after the military, and I've kept my word unless a big dog's after me. I will run away from a dog. All right, let's continue. So beware of the dogs. That's the word from Paul from the Holy Spirit. He's writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I should say. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice, amen, in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, or I have more reason. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Verse 8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all, all of those things, and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power, circle power if you make notes in your Bible, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray together. Father God, as we read Paul's words to the church of Philippi, we know there was those who were trying to take away from salvation in Christ alone. We know there was those who were posing, Lord, that they actually represented God and they did not. Their intent was to deceive and come in as wolves to take away uh, from the sheep of God. They wanted to distract from the message of the gospel. They wanted to add something to it or take away from the message of the gospel. And today, Lord, we know they're all about us today. And Lord, as we're reminded, as reading this church to the church, of, uh, reading this letter to the church of Philippi, we're reminded today, Lord, that dogs are still around and they want to come in as we look to see that they want to come in and hurt, injure, or destroy. Lord, thank you that you protect us today. You're a good and loving Father. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at your notes if you have a 
uh, just, a, just a moment, Paul was telling the church, hey, listen, could you have some spiritual discernment? You ever seen people that says, listen, they're intelligent, but they have no common sense. Anybody know anybody like that? Like, they're just dumb as rocks when it comes to just things of, of life. Anybody? Anybody? I'm that way when it comes to mechanical things. I'm like, I can't do it. I've seen a rubber ball roll out in it. You can come get it. Tell her to come get it. It's fine. It don't bother me. Tell her to come get it. I'll give it to her. But when it comes to things in life, common sense, there's some people who don't have good common sense. There you go, sweetheart. Some people don't have good common sense, all right? But when it comes to spiritual or, or maybe educational things, man, their bride is all get out. Well, Paul is telling the church, hey, listen, no matter what your background is, you need to have some spiritual discernment. And when he says, listen, the first thing he says, we talked about this morning, he puts the word rejoice on both sides of the beware of dogs. He has, if you will, top, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Beware of the dogs. Rejoice in the Lord. He sandwiches it together because who can help you overcome those who would try to deceive you today? It is the Lord Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will actually help you beware of the dogs. He didn't say get rid of the dogs because the dogs are always with us. And, and during this time, dogs are not the loving little extra member of the family. Some of y'all think your dogs are part of the family. Lovey, whatever the names of puppy, sugar booger, whatever the names are. Dogs in this time were just animals of opportunity. They would come in and steal, and they still do. In Kenya, uh, Stakewell told me when if they, they believe out in the Samburu tribe believes, if you die a good man, you're going to come back as a cow to feed your people. But if you die as a bad man, you did evil things in this life, you'll come back as a dog and you'll constantly try to steal the baby goat. You'll come in and try to take away from the tribe constantly. That's the way it was in this time. That's why Paul said, beware of the dogs because these animals of opportunity are coming in to bite you, to steal, to take something from you. And the, re the rejoice was on top of that and below it. You'll see that as we continue. Paul repeated a safety warning to the church of Philippi. He put up, beware of dog sign. The dogs referred to the Judaizers. That's the legalist and those who claimed it necessary for circumcision to be a follower of Christ. This was the Jewish leadership who helped put Jesus to death. A death. We've been going through that Meet Jesus series, and we've seen these Judaizers. Every time Jesus is doing a miracle, they're there blaming him. He's done something against God. They called him a demon-possessed man. They've called him somebody who blasphemes against God. These are the same people who just got through mocking and even crucifying our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ, of course, is resurrected. We know that to be true from the Word of God. But Paul here puts the early church attention, I said of where it needed to be, or it should be where it needed to be, namely on the resurrected Jesus Christ. Our focus should be on Christ alone. Who's the head of the church according to the Bible? Jesus Christ. There is no pastor, bishop, elder. There is no one that owns the church of God. If they do, leave the building. Amen? Check and see who owns the property. That's who will tell you what to do. You know who owns this property? No one. The Lord Jesus Christ, it's His. Uh, together, we say we come together as the church of God, but we don't own it. It's the Lord Jesus Christ under the banner of Christ. This is His place. Now, He doesn't stay here when we leave, by the way, just for the record, even though He is here. Where does He go when the church opens the doors? He goes out the doors because we are the church. When Christ lives in us, we are the church of God. The way we speak, the way we teach, the way we laugh, the things we're involved in, the things we look at, all the things we participate in, we are the church doing those very things. Can the church have fun? I think we can have the most fun because it's holy and it's righteous. It's crazy sometimes too. Uh, we still set things on fire and tear things up sometimes where I'm from. 
and, and we have a good time doing it, right? Why are y'all looking at me like that? Y'all don't, y'all, I don't want to hang out with none of y'all, right? We have great fun, Pastor. We sit around and read books. Right? Sorry, just kidding. If you read books, that's good. I do too. I have a library full. Listen, we can have fun as the people of God, but we must be aware there's people who want to come in and always change everything. There's somebody who wants to come in, and they say, what about this? And they want to take away, because are we a perfect church? By no means, because you and I attend, right? We mess things up. If you're here, you messed it up. Well, I'm here, and I messed it up. But there is one who is perfect. It's the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul talks about the dogs, he talks about the joy that we have in the Lord. He's very clear the point back. This is to the resurrected Jesus Christ. None of this is possible without the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Martin brought up to me Ukraine. Uh, he talked about, you know, it's the second to the U.S. in the number of Baptist churches in, as for a country. Did y'all know that? Did everybody just think it's a communist country? It used to be. We have missionaries there as well. This was on the front of your bulletin today. The International Mission Board asked us to pray and ask us to give. Who are we helping, praying and giving to? Obviously, we give to our missionaries so they can do work that we might help people come to know Christ. We talked about it in Bible study this morning. I'm sure our missionaries in our church said, Lord, do something to wake up the church of God that we might be a powerhouse for Jesus Christ. Lo and behold, did they know war was coming across the border from Russia? You think that stirred people up? You think that's getting people's attention, that people are dying in war? You think the Lord Jesus Christ can use that for his glory? He can use all things. Romans 8, 28 tells us clearly all things for his glory. So be careful how you pray and be careful what we get involved with. But we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Russia and in Ukraine and around the world. Here Paul is writing to the church of Philippi as he gives this warning. Verse 3, look again. We are the circumcision. And some of your translations of the Bible say, who worship God in spirit, say it's not there in the originals. But we know it's in the original when Jesus spoke it in John 4, 24, right? God is looking for those who worship him in how? In spirit and in truth. So we know that's the truth found in the word of God. If it was added later, we don't know. Scholars always are scholars. They'll argue about everything, right? But we know that it is the truth from the word of God. Jesus himself said that. Rejoice again. How? In Christ Jesus. Before he said rejoice in the Lord. That is also Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. He didn't say Jesus Christ. in this. Did you notice that in this text here? He says Christ Jesus. Who is Christ? He's the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one. Listen, rejoice in him. Jesus Christ, his, even name, his name means Savior, the one who saves. Have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. What is he saying? Paul's clearly saying. If you go to your notes, look what he's saying. I want, to, I want you to see this. God through Paul instructed the church to rejoice in the resurrected Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say to do? Seek you First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things we have need of will be what? Added to us. That's a promise to us as believers or followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian believer, look at your notes, the Christian believer is to have no confidence in what we have or who we are, but we must understand that we, that we who are born again have been reborn from above and have been spiritually transformed, we have been spiritually renewed, and we've been set apart for his purpose. All the things that you've accomplished, listen, God's allowed you to accomplish Young people are trying to get college degrees on top of college degrees, and so many are getting out with a college degree and lots of debt and no job. A lot of people are trying to do, they're, uh, they're working their whole lives trying to get that next position, and when they get the next position, they find out it's a dead-end position. 
or it's time to lay off, or it's time to whatever might happen. COVID-19 might hit, and people are working from home, and some people aren't computer literate, and they say, I can't do the job anymore. There's all kind of different things that we work, we work, we work, we work. And if it's working for ourselves to get all the hey, accolades to me, look at me, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished. If it's just for that purpose, guess what? There you go, you have it. You've succeeded in your mind, but yet you failed in eternity. Paul's looking past. He's not looking just for here and now. Paul probably had PhD or multiple PhDs. He was he was the top. He was, and I said this morning, he was the top dog because he was a dog, right? How do we know Paul was a dog? If Paul says, beware of the dogs, who was he looking to first? Himself. How do we know? Because watch what he says about himself. He gives you the niceties, the, the well, I graduated from Jerusalem University with a PhD and whatever it might be. He goes through all these accolades, things that I've accomplished. Look at all that I've done in my life. And he's going to tell us about them. Watch. See if you can find out from that scripture I just read where he says he was a dog. Verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm better than you. Right? This, if you want to brag in the flesh, let's bring it up. Bring your resume, and I'll put my resume right next to yours, Paul says, and I can beat you. That's what he's saying. Watch. Circumcised the eighth day. That was required of a Jewish young man, especially a family who followed the Judaism by, by the letter of the law, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. I ranked. What are the Pharisees in Paul's day a dog? Some believed, but what were they doing before? Nicodemus came to him and said, We know, came to Jesus, we know that you're of God for the things that you're doing, all the miracles and signs that you're doing. But, right? There was always that but. Hey, we know the facts about you, Jesus, but we, uh, we just can't receive it that you're the Messiah, the promised one. Do people do that today? In our culture, are people saying, Listen, we'll take Jesus plus some? In our Christian school at Town Creek Christian Academy, we've had a Hindu family come and say, listen, we really want our kids to be a part of this school. I'm like, how and why would you come here? We, we, we teach that Hinduism is, is a false religion. No, no, no. We believe in Jesus too. We'll just take Jesus and add him to what we believe. They were okay with just accepting Jesus as one of the many, 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 many gods that they believe in. I said, you don't understand. It's Christ plus nothing. You cannot come into our school because you cannot sign covenant with us because we're in a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and at least one parent has to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. That's what we believe today. By faith alone, in Christ alone. Well, let's continue. Paul warns, he said, listen, concerning zeal, uh, persecuting, uh, persecuting the church. See his dog tag right there? He just said, I, dog, I, I persecuted the church. I went after the church. And what did he do if we know? Stephen, he stood there and held the cloaks. They put them at his feet. He didn't hold them. He just let them lay them down in front of him. And he looked over as they stoned Stephen to death. He watched them stone Stephen. And basically he authorized it. He authorized women and men to be snatched out of their homes, to be put in prison, even to be killed to the point of death. Paul was a top dog. He knew what he was talking about when he talked about beware of the dogs. Concerning righteousness which is in law, blameless. 
He said, I made the sacrifices that was required. I made the sin offerings that the law talked about. Everything the law said I should do, I did. But he wasn't fulfilled. Why? Can the law save you? The law cannot save you. All the law does is expose that you cannot measure up to the greatness and holiness of God. When you read, thou shalt not, right? In the Bible, when you go back and look at the Exodus chapter, matter of fact, let's go back and look at it together. Exodus 20. Go there just for a moment and see what Paul was saying. Exodus chapter 20, Genesis, Exodus. And ask, answer the question for yourself. Exodus 20. Could you say with Paul, I'll do all these things. Exodus 20 verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Can you, anybody say that today? I do that on a regular basis. I have no other gods before me. No television, no smartphone, no computer, no device, no activity. I give 100% of my time, if you will, not 100% because we don't got to live, but the majority of my time, my spare time is given to the Lord. I don't put anything in front of God. Don't raise your hand because we're not looking for you to convict yourself this morning. The Bible says judgment begins where? At the house of God. Look at number. Look at the second one. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, anything, uh, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity or the sin of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Any of you do that? Have you ever seen a family where grandpa was an alcoholic, dad was an alcoholic, son was an alcoholic, grandson's an alcoholic? Have you ever seen that, that family? Why are you all so quiet? If you hadn't seen it, just say I hadn't seen it. I did a funeral down in Brunson, South Carolina, for a lost man who was killed when my first got to this church. Funeral director said, Pastor, come here. We we're out in the community graveyard. He said, look, and I think I've told you this before. He backed up. I don't know how many generations. He walked way down to the other end of the graveyard. It was a community graveyard. If you know, if you're from the south, we have those in the small towns. And he said, look, let me tell you. Listen, my, my daddy was the undertaker. My grandpa was the undertaker. And they told us all stories. We know everybody that's in this graveyard. And he walked me back for generation to generation and said, listen, Listen, Grandpa, great, 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 way back Grandpa, he died in, in a bar fight, saloon fight. And he come all the way through every generation, and every boy in the, gen in the family had died either from drug, uh, drug deals going bad, alcohol, fights, uh, stabbings, shootings, you name it, all throughout the generation, up to the person that they were putting in the ground when I stood over that day, that he was lost because he overdosed on drugs. Lost, just a lost generation. You say, well, does generation curses still happen today? You answer to me. You get into some stuff. You get into some sin in your life and watch what happens, dads. And you see the family today. The family's broken today. Divorce rates are at the highest rate ever. And you see how it's been broken. Paul's warning, listen, people are coming in and saying, listen, you can have this and this too. What does God continue to say? Let's read one more. Watch this one. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord would not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You hear people say Jesus Christ out of context. Oh my God. OMG. Send a text. Anytime you say the Lord Jesus Christ's name out of context. If you're not praising him. Listen. You're not bringing him glory. 
you're cursing his name. You're violating the very law that Jesus said about his name because his name is what? It's holy. You respect my name. You use my name only when you worship me because, listen, I'm a jealous God. And it's not jealousy like boyfriend, girlfriend, jealousy. It's holy, holy jealousy, holy hatred, holy love that God has. And we can't quite understand that, can we? Because we say we love grandma, we love pizza, we love our puppy. We, we just lump it all in one word. But God's love is holy. God's hatred is holy. And God's jealousy is holy. Well, let's go back to Hebrews, I mean, back to Philippians, if you would. Chapter 3. When Paul, when Paul says, listen, all those things, I did my best. I was righteous before the law, except there was still something empty. And what was it? We know he wasn't saved. Paul used himself as an example of someone who might have grounds for confidence in the flesh if he were pursuing salvation by works. He lists some of his life achievements. That's what he listed on his resume. How many people are working for their faith today? They're trying their best to do something that, to earn God's favor. If I just do this, then I can get away with doing this. If I do that, then I can get away with doing that. And we balance and say, listen, and I've told you, when you visit people in the hospitals in the time of need, it's the worst time to have a conversation about Jesus, but yet it's the best time to have a conversation. I had a man tell me, listen, God's going to have to judge me, Pastor, on how I treated my family. So, no, sir, God's going to judge you based on what you did with the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I said and he goes, no, God's going to judge me based on how I treated my family. I said, you don't understand. The Bible's clear that we can't do anything to earn, to merit his favor. There is nothing we can do to earn merit from God. There is no merit. We must come by faith alone. God gives us the ability to believe. God gives us his grace. And then by his grace that he puts on our life and our ability for our sinful, sorry self, he gives us the ability to say, Lord, I believe. I, I believe that your word is true. I believe the Holy Spirit just convicted me in my heart and I can receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I went through and explained to this man and he was here in Aiken, South Carolina and he says, I know all about Jesus. I know all about what it means to be sinful and I know what all about what it means for forgiveness but I will not and cannot ask for forgiveness. God's going to judge me based on how I treated my family. The man died a couple weeks after I shared with him. Y'all, you think something, I, I was like, Lord, did I, how, how could I communicate it with him in another way? How could I have said it differently? Because I tried two or three times to restart, and he's, he eventually told me to be quiet, and he knew what I was saying to be true. We move on, because people want to add something else to their life. Paul, if Paul said, listen, I'm going to base it on my, my resume, I've accomplished myself. God's going to have to accept me into heaven, because I'm pretty all right. I'm somebody. My resume is pretty sharp. But Paul was very clear. He understood because he was convicted. He was knocked off his high horse there on that day, going to Damascus. And Jesus spoke to him and said, You will suffer the things that I have laid out before you because you're going to take my message to the Gentiles. You will do these things. And Paul understood that he was very serious, that it was the Lord God speaking. Look at your notes, if you would. Paul is quick to say, Whatever former things were gains to me as I thought them then, I have to consider it as absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. What was Paul's purpose? Paul had a couple of purposes in his life, didn't he? he? And you'll see in just a minute he's going to say what a couple of those are. Paul's purpose was, first and foremost, to know him and the power of the resurrection of Christ. Paul's purposes he laid out, he lays them out for us, and if you keep reading all of his letters, you'll see all of them that he laid out for his life. He was saying, all that stuff that I've earned, it's nothing, it's rubbish. I want to put that stuff aside, and I want to press forward to the things that God's called me to do because 
Verse 11 tells us the getaway card, right? Paul was looking for the day he comes back to the resurrected life. He's looking for the Lord Jesus Christ to raise him up in that day. He was looking forward beyond just the Philippian church, beyond his salvation, beyond the resurrected Jesus. He was looking to the hope that he had in Jesus Christ alone. Paul says he counted everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus his Lord. He desired to grow more deeply and thoroughly in relationship with Jesus. He said, this is pure joy. Look what he says, verse 8. Yet I indeed count all things for the loss of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, that stuff that I work for, it's not about me anymore. I work really hard to fulfill the law. I, don't, I was doing really good. I was making all the sacrifices. I was making the pilgrimage. I was actually on top of my game when it come to the law, as best I understood it. But he still was empty. Paul says, now I get a chance not just to serve him on the outside to have my sins covered, but now I get to have him live inside of me and actually my sins taken away. And as my sins are taken away, he's setting me apart day by day. Day. Every time that you have a birthday, every time that I have a birthday, guess what? We're one year closer to seeing Jesus Christ face to face, right? And we're going to see him. That should be the hope of glory one day. Listen, I can't wait till the day that my funeral arrives. Anybody get excited about your funeral? Well, nobody really wants to die, but we can't wait till we're going to, right? And we're going to see him. No longer do we talk this faith game here on earth. What do we talk about in heaven? We sing to his face. Right? We sing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we sing to him here by faith. But the Bible says then we'll know him, right? We'll be in his presence. Can you imagine it? Standing before the King of Kings and Lord, all those days in Sunday school, all that discipleship, all that Bible reading, it's true. It's true. You saved me forever and ever and ever and ever. Praise be to the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what we're going to be shouting and praising when we get before the Lord. Think about standing in heaven. And then you, I believe you're going to have someone else come beside you. Listen, family members, loved ones, people that you don't even know their names here on earth. The Bible says you'll be known as you're known. And you get to stand hand in hand with family members singing, How great is our God. Praising Him how, how great He is. And having your children, when they come along, having your grandchildren, having them sing together and rejoice before the throne of God. Can you see the picture? Can you see what Paul is saying? Listen, I want to know Him. I want to know the power of the resurrection. This is my heart. This is my desire. Church, it should be yours also, is what Paul was saying. Look at verse 9. And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, from which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith. Who who does the Bible say gives us our faith? God. God gives us our faith. The Bible says he's given you a measure of faith. Now, y'all know if we were making biscuits this morning, right? And we said add a little bit of lard. Y'all know what lard is? Wendy wanted to make biscuits when we were younger, and my mom told her to go get some lard. And uh, I think we were in Virginia. She might have called. Wendy goes to the grocery store, she comes back and says, she was gone for a long, long time. And she said, I went down, up and down every aisle in that grocery store, and they didn't have any lard. I said, Wendy, they had to. It's, it's right there where all the cooking oil and stuff is. It's right on the bottom. And she said, I look, there's no lard. And she said, uh, she said, I saw the cooking oil stuff, and I saw Crisco, and I saw, she went down, she didn't know all the stuff. 
She didn't know that lard was the southern name for Crisco, right, or the different uh, the cooking grease that you would have. She looked everywhere for it, and she was so embarrassed when she finally realized what it was. She still can't cook biscuits, but that's beside the point. We go over to Mom's or Nita's house. Our Amanda could do it. Uh, it jumped a generation. My daughter-in-law can do it. My mom taught her. Mackenzie, she ain't got it either. She tried to grab my shoulder, but she ain't got it. Y'all, do you understand? Listen, when Paul was looking to the church, when he's looking forward, he's saying, listen, all these things, uh, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He's saying, listen, there's a way to know him. There's a way to do this thing called Christian life, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked some weeks ago, whenever people say, I just need peace in my life, Pastor. God doesn't just give you peace. He won't give you peace in your storm. Did you know that? We sing songs about it. I don't like a lot of Southern Gospel songs. I don't like a lot of New Christian songs because they talk about it almost in a fairy tale kind of way. Jesus don't give you, does not give you peace. He is the Prince of Peace, and he gives you himself. So he don't just give you a little bit of peace to, to make it through that desert valley, make it through the shadow valley of death. He didn't give you the peace. He says, I'm going with you. What are you talking about? In your toughest need, and your toughest wants, he's right there with you. He didn't say, Here, here's some peace, deal with it. Good luck with that. The Bible says he's with you. Never to leave us, nor forsake us. That's the God we serve. He's walking us through. He's holding our hand. No, let me correct that. He's holding us. He's not even holding our hand. He's walking us and seeing us through. The same thing within the church. You said, well, how can I know this joy? When the dogs are after me, how can I know the joys of the Lord? Because the dogs are still here, by the way. Don't you know that? They tell you there's a way. They usually show up on two bicycles together with a white shirt and a black tie. They tell you there's another way. They tell you there's another gospel because your Bible's been corrupted. And there's another they usually show up in old Capri Chevrolets, right? They roll up and knock on your door. And they want to tell you that, listen, their Bible's right. They have a, a Bible that's, that's actually the right Bible. Uh, they want to tell you that, obviously, their way. And they want to take little passages of Scripture out of context. And they say, Jesus was a God. He was not God. And they want to change the gospel. The dogs are still walking the streets in 2022. Beware of the dogs. But when you put your joy in the Lord... Who, get, who walks you through? There's a dog catcher I know. His name's Jesus, right? Some of y'all were dogs too, wasn't you? Anybody a dog before you got saved? Rough, rough, right? Because we, we made fun of the church and we distracted from preaching. Or we said, that church people, we, the holy rollers, we had all kind of names for you and for me. Uh, we don't need that. The, our intellect is here. Our, our, our time is valuable. We made all kind of excuses Oh, I would, I would go to church with them if, right? And all that we, that's where these men were. Hey, listen, Jesus, okay, plus circumcision. That's the way you know you're saved. The Gentiles are like, wait a minute. <clears throat> I'm 25 years old. I ain't going under a knife to follow Jesus, right? I, I ain't doing this thing if I got to be circumcised at age 30. I'm, I'm not doing it. And the Jews are like, yep, Judaizers are saying, yeah, you got to be circumcised or you can't be a Christian. Anybody willing to give up their faith this morning <laughs> as an adult male? Yeah, I'm walking, right? No, thank you. And Paul said, listen, don't listen to them. They're trying to add to the simple message of the gospel. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said, right? And you must receive this by faith that God gives us. The Bible says God gives us each a measure of faith. So here's the question. 
What is the basis of our faith, Christian faith? Possessing genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that which comes from God. The believer's desire should be the same as Paul's, to know Jesus experientially and the power of his resurrection, to share in the fellowship of his sufferings even to death. Is anybody ready to die for Christ? If we're ready to die for Christ, surely to goodness we're ready to live for Christ. And how do we live for Christ? How do we do his will? How do we follow his commands? Yo, it's not in the future. I had a young man ask me uh, this week, everybody's speaking into my life and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You ever been there? Anybody in their 60s still there? <laughs> People are always telling us what to do, aren't they? Ask any good Baptist, we'll give you, ask one Baptist something, he'll give you 10 opinions on what you should do, right? Be careful who you listen to. Make sure you get godly advice. I don't know what to do. People are asking me constantly what to do, what I should be, who, where I should go and what I should do, what college to attend, what work to do. I don't know what to do. I said, well, how would you like to know when you turn 17 or 18 years old you're going to die in a car wreck? What? Does anybody want to know that? You're going to die when you leave out of church here, you pull out on Town Creek Road, you turn left, and you go up to uh, Silver Bluff, and you pull out a traffic light, somebody runs a light, and they're going to T-bone you, and you're going to die today. Does anybody want to know that? Nobody wants to know that, do we? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So how should we live? Not looking for what we don't know, all the variables in our life. What should we look for? Next step, living today for the Lord Jesus Christ. Living right here, right now, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Obeying Him is best I know. Every time we learn the Scripture, we learn something new. Let's put that into our repertoire, if you will, of action knowledge and go forward and live it out. How do we love the Lord Jesus Christ? We obey His commands. The world's still going to hate us. God's still going to love us. But He tells us to go. Go make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them everything that Jesus Christ taught us. And remember, He's with us to the end of the age. We serve a good God. Amen? We should rejoice in the Lord knowing that. Paul says, listen, I want to know him, the power of his resurrection. I want to know, listen, I want to follow in his fellowship, if you will, of his sufferings all the way up to his death. Because Paul had this in the back of his pocket. He just had this one little extra thing he had to show the Philippian church. He said, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He was looking forward to dying with Christ. Because if you knew if he died with Christ, the same thing that happened to Jesus is going to happen to him. And church, give me a little bit. What happened to Jesus? Why did he get into it? Why did they put him in a borrowed tomb? Yeah, it was a cheap rental, wasn't it? He didn't plan on staying. He said in three days he'd be raised again. God says if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. That's so complicated, but yet it's so easy a child can understand it. Why do people struggle with that today? Why did the church at Philippi have the struggles they had? It's because we have pride and sin. We like doing stuff our way. We like living, if we were going to say like Paul, the Apostle Paul, we like living into the worldly stuff, my accomplishments. I feel good when somebody pats me on the back and says, man, you're so smart. You know everything about that subject. Or you're, you're like the champion. You're, you won the race every single time. We like those out of boys, out of girls getting patted on the back because it makes us feel like somebody. But we lose our job or we lose our speed or we get older and, and nobody's patting us on the back anymore. We start wondering, Lord, what, what happened to all those glory days? Martin comes up. Martin's got medals for days on his chest as a soldier. And what did you tell me, Martin? What do they matter to, amount to today? 
they collect dust in a drawer, right? But when you were going through, when I was in the military, the more, more hardware you could wear on your chest and your, and your uniform, boy, you, you want a little, your, your chest poked out because you're like, I bet you don't have one of those, do you? Right? And you don't have one of those. And above all things, for the Atlantic Ocean sailors, we were shellbacks during the Gulf War. If you don't know what that is, you need to look it up. But nobody on the East Coast was shellbacks before the war. We walked around, we're shellbacks. I was 19 and as a shellback. I was so excited. I walked around, I had something you don't have. You've been in the Navy for 20 years, been on the East Coast, you don't have it. That's the way we are with no matter what it is in our life, if you're not careful. We want to live here because this feels good, why it's good. Paul saying, I've left all that stuff behind while he was still able. I left it behind. And he says, y'all listen to me. I want to tell you, I had, you got status, I had more. You got education, I had more. You had stuff, I had more. But I turned my back on it and I counted all as rubbish, as stuff that people throw away. After you eat a banana, here's what Paul's saying. Listen, I've eaten the whole banana. Now I've got this, what? Pill. What do you do with a banana pill? That's what he said. All my life before Christ, mm-mm, stuff. Doesn't matter. I'm looking forward to the stuff that he has ahead of me. I'm looking for the power of the resurrection. I'm looking for the purpose of living for Jesus Christ. I'm looking for the day that I'm going to die like Christ so that I know that I'm going to have the day if Jesus rose again. Guess what that means for me as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? I will rise again in the resurrection. Amen? That's what Paul was saying. Listen, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I'm not worried about the trivial stuff and the dogs in this generation. I know who can shut the dog's mouth because he shut some lion's mouth back in the day. Amen? Paul was looking forward to the, to, he was looking forward to death and the resurrection because he didn't just want to stay dead. He wouldn't, he wouldn't let, he didn't have a death wish. He was looking, saying, I know, I'm telling you about my life. And he's on the journey. Paul, as if Paul does this with his life, follows all the way through saying, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm after. And he pointed to the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. How about you and me today? What are you after today? Trying to get those accolades built up? Trying to get that attaboy, girls built up? I just want somebody to recognize me. Recognize me. Can I encourage you today just to fade off into the back? Use your abilities, of course. Don't stop using what God's given you. That's not what Paul was saying. He didn't say throw it away unless he tells you to put it away. Because he called Paul to a whole new job, a whole another career, if you will. But use what God's given you for his glory. And turn it away from just my stuff, what I, what I did, what I advanced in. So now I'm going to advance forward in the name of Jesus Christ. For his glory, for his purposes. That I may know him in the power of the resurrection. That's what Paul was after. That's what you and I should be after as brothers and sisters in Christ. The joy of the Lord is our strength, as Nehemiah said. And we can know that joy by putting our faith and trust in him daily. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about the next college you're going to attend or the next job you're going to have. That stuff will come. You're always going to hit a fork in the road. Every decision you have to make, you will make a decision. Did you know that? Every decision you have to make, you will make a decision. And tomorrow's coming. Whether you're dead or living, tomorrow's coming. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come before your presence, knowing that you're in charge of all things. Paul told the church at Philippi that, Lord, he was focused on knowing you and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He still knew about all his old stuff. You didn't give him amnesia from his past life. 
But he didn't dwell there. He moved forward because he had a purpose. And Lord, he had something that was powerful in his life that he had to tell the world. He had to tell the church of Philippi. And Lord, even here at the church at Town Creek, he's telling us today, there's power in the resurrected Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And there's purpose. There's purpose of life. There's real purpose for living with the joy of knowing that we know that we've asked Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and be our Lord and Savior, to lead us in this life day by day. No matter if tomorrow comes or the red light accident happens today and takes our life, absent from this body, present with you, our Lord. Lord, we can't get it any better. Thank you, for Lord, for designing this plan of salvation. Lord, I pray today for somebody who's not a Christian. They, they're like, I don't know anything what you're talking about. I just want to get my stuff and get out. I just came because somebody made me come today. Father, I pray for them that they would understand the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart that they need salvation. Lord, touch them where they need to be touched so they might hear. Those watching by Facebook or YouTube, Lord, touch their hearts so they might give their heart and life to Jesus Christ and experience this true joy that only comes through knowing you. Knowing you, Lord. We love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.